Greetings to all of you. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church. I'm so excited once again to be able to speak to you today. Now, at the start of this year, 2020, people had high expectations of how this year was going to be like. In so many ways, this was a landmark year. 2020 has been equated with perfect vision. It marked down the path of a new decade, new hopes, new dreams, new aspirations. Who could have foreseen something like what we are experiencing today? I came across this uh, social media post from a friend. Uh, Anyone else feeling like life is being written by a fourth grader right now? And then there was this virus and everyone was scared. And then the world ran out of toilet paper. Yeah. And then there was uh, no school indefinitely. And then it snowed. So many days, I tell you, I wake up hoping all of this is just a bad dream. On a lighter note, I came across this uh, news item from India. The whole country is under lockdown. A woman gave birth to twins, and she named the babies Corona and COVID. Oh dear, this can only happen in India. You know, the last couple of weeks in our online worship services, we've focused on an imagery of God in the Bible that Christians have turned to for centuries in times of distress. As you read John chapter 10, you're confronted with the staggering claims of Christ. Jesus emphatically declares that he is the good shepherd. He is one with the Father and he alone can give life abundant and full. Now, how can anyone possibly miss what Jesus is saying here? Yet as I studied John 10, I was blown away by the people's cold responses. John meticulously records the varying reactions of the crowd to Jesus' revelation. And sadly, a number of them turned a deaf ear, chose not to listen to Jesus' words, and rejected him altogether. All through history, God is eager to reveal himself to whoever is seeking. Even in dark times like this current coronavirus pandemic, if our hearts are spiritually sensitive, then you will hear the invitation of God to draw closer. How would we respond to this invitation? We can turn skeptical and harden our heart, or we can respond in faith and draw closer to God. How we respond to God's invitation will make all the difference. Today we're going to look at a selection of verses from John 10 that portray the people's reaction to Jesus' claims. Wherever you're watching this, if you're physically able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we pray and commit this time into God's hands so we can hear his voice. Would you join me in prayer? 
Lord, we thank you for the assurance that your sheep listen to your voice. And today, we want to hear from you amidst all that's happening around us. We desperately need the clarity that you can bring. So would you speak to us, focus our attention on you, that Jesus will be exalted and magnified in our hearts, and we will be drawn closer to you. We ask this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. John 10 offers great words of comfort as we come face to face before the Good Shepherd. In tender ways, Jesus expresses his love and diligent care for his sheep. The safety of the sheep lies entirely in the hands of the Good Shepherd. And Jesus promises us that nobody can snatch us from his hands. Now, not only do we have tender imageries in John chapter 10, but we also have some bold, authoritative claims of Jesus. Jesus says here, for instance, I am the gate. You have to enter through me in order to find life. There are no multiple pathways to heaven. There is only one way. It is through Jesus Christ. And you need to go through Jesus to find life. When Jesus identifies himself in this chapter as the good shepherd, he is making yet another claim to divinity. Because if you look at the Old Testament, God was the shepherd of Israel. And Jesus uses the same divine title to refer to himself. Jesus also says here, I and my father are one. They are one in essence and in nature and they work together. And last weekend I pointed out another majestic statement right here in John 10. Jesus says, I have the power to lay down my life and the right to take it back again. Now that is a reference to his death and resurrection. While we all may have the ability to lay down our life, we certainly don't have the right to take it back. That is outside of our prerogative. So clearly, Jesus was placing himself in a class of his own. The entire chapter is studded with the incredible claims of Christ. And the claims of Christ demand a personal response. Let me quickly walk you through the varying responses to the claims of Jesus. But here's how the Pharisees, who were a strict group of conservative religious leaders, responded. John chapter 10, verse 6 Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. But Jesus had just spoken about him being the rightful shepherd who enters through the door while the rest are thieves and robbers who try to break in. You know, the word therefore, figure of speech, it actually means a proverb or an allegory. So it is a bit cryptic. But those who had ears to hear 
will understand what Jesus is saying here. Now, interestingly, in John's gospel, Jesus' teaching comes across as enigmatic to several people. In John chapter 3, Jesus speaks to Nicodemus that you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he didn't get it. In John chapter 4, after the encounter with the Samaritan woman, Jesus says to the disciples, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. The disciples were clueless. In the same way, the Pharisees fail to grasp the analogy Jesus is using here. The language of Jesus is at times veiled. Only those who want to go deeper can understand his message. In some ways, that is true of this current pandemic as well. God is communicating, but you really need to pause and reflect in order to listen to what he has to say. Or you will miss God's voice altogether. God probes your heart and tests you to see if you're truly eager to listen to his voice. And if your heart is not inclined, then I tell you, you will hear nothing from God. People who don't believe in God often say, well, if God were to communicate by writing on the sky, perhaps we all will believe. I tell you, that is not going to happen. That is simply not the way God communicates. God will never eliminate the need for faith. I can say this from experience. God speaks very clearly and distinctly to those who are willing to listen to his voice. And many people, many people will go through this entire pandemic until life bounces back to normal and they will pay no attention to God. However, those who are seeking, those who are earnest will hear and respond to Jesus' voice. Now, what about you? Which category do you belong to? Now, let me show you another set of response here in John 10. This comes right after Jesus' words that he has the authority to lay down his life and take it back again. Look at verses 19 to 21. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. And many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Great question. Jesus is the dividing line. That's been the case all through these 2,000 years. The claims of Jesus were so radical that the first century Jewish audience thought he was crazy or worse, demon-possessed. And the people of Jesus' time turned skeptical. Their skepticism turned into scorn. And without investigating the evidence, they flatly rejected the claims of Christ. Skepticism continues to keep people away from Jesus. 
So many people today in North America look for answers to life's deep questions everywhere. They are open to all kinds, all forms of spirituality, but cynical when it comes to the Christian faith. And I challenge you to investigate the evidences for the Christian faith and you will be stunned with what you come up with. J. Warner Wallace was a forensic detective who specialized in cold case investigations. As an atheist, Wallace became intrigued with the Gospels and their account of Jesus' resurrection. Because in his own words, the most important question I could ask about Christianity just so happened to fall within my area of expertise. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? And as an atheist, Wallace believed that the apostles had concocted this lie that Jesus rose from the dead. But as Wallace examined the gospel accounts, he started using the same kind of reasoning that he would use at a crime scene. And it turned out to be the ultimate cold case forensic investigation of his life. And after a detailed, thorough study, this is the conclusion Wallace came to. The resurrection is reasonable. The answers are available. You don't have to turn off your brain to be a believer. And that changed the trajectory of Wallace's life. He changed from being an atheist into becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, during Jesus' time, while some people were skeptical, others were curious. They applied their mind and reasoning and came to the conclusion a man who is crazy or demon-possessed wouldn't be doing the things that Jesus was doing. Now, I want to urge you today, if you are not a Christian, don't Stop being curious. Take the next steps. Find out the truth for yourself. If you are spiritually seeking and you have questions, you know, we have a chat option in our live stream right now. And our pastors and ministry leaders are serving as chat hosts and they will love to have a conversation with you and engage you in a discussion about Jesus Christ. So don't wait. Talk to them right now. They will be happy to assist you. Now let's go to the next set of response. Now when Jesus said, I and my Father are one, This was the ultimate claim to divinity. The people who heard this astonishing claim hardened their heart. Verse 33, it says, We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied. This is the religious leaders. But for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. So what was their accusation? You, being a mere man, claim to be God. But they didn't get this part right. 
Jesus was not making himself God, but in Jesus, God was making himself human. The hearts of the people were so hardened that they rejected Jesus altogether. Here is the irony. Jesus left Jerusalem because their hearts and minds were closed. He would not step foot in the city until the last week of his life when he came back to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday riding on a donkey. That's what marks the Christian calendar this weekend. As I said before, God is always eager to reveal himself. That has not changed even today. The question is, are we willing to listen and respond? The entire pandemic surrounding the coronavirus is God's way of giving us a wake-up call. I'm not saying that the coronavirus is a judgment of God. That would be presumptuous of me. And if you ever hear any Christian going in that direction, stop them right there. Nobody can make such assertions with certainty. God didn't send the coronavirus. He's not the author of evil. But at the same time, we also know that the Bible teaches that God is sovereign and nothing takes him by surprise. Things just don't happen outside of his divine providence. So we do wrestle with this philosophical dilemma. A sovereign God allows things to take place for a reason. While God has not caused it, he has certainly allowed this virus outbreak. And I tell you, this is not an act of judgment. No, this is a revelation of mercy that through this crisis, God is giving people an opportunity to repent. Now let's face it. There's something that our world has come to realize through this crisis. We have built our life on the wrong foundation. The self-centered convictions that seem to drive our world has proven to be unstable and shaky. If we thought our security lies in our health, that has been shaken. Medical science cannot cure every illness and they certainly cannot stop death. And if we thought our security lies in our economy and our savings, that has been shaken. And more importantly, in the independent Western world, we worship this feeling of being in control of our life. And if there is anything that has come clear through this pandemic, it is this. We simply are not in control of our life. And that is a painful realization for so many people. But today we are wrestling with the side effects of this virus that has turned our world upside down. And many studies are coming out that are predicting the pandemic of mental illnesses that's about to unfold after COVID-19. And that looks disastrous and even more lethal than the virus itself. 
let me ask you, do we just see all of this as random and meaningless? Or is God trying to communicate something through all these circumstances? I believe and I pray that this crisis that has been caused by the coronavirus is going to lead to a big spiritual awakening. A normal, comfortable, easy, cozy life has been disrupted because this is a spiritual wake-up call. For those of us who've been coasting all along, this is a time to evaluate your life's priorities. Disruptions like these remove our cover-ups, the facade that we put on, the things that we hide behind, and it forces us to take an honest look at our core convictions. What are the principles that govern our life, and do they really matter in light of eternity? This is a critical time for soul-searching. When life seems to go smoothly, when everything is predictable, we think we have no time or no need for God. It's when our plans fail and life comes to a standstill that we sense God is tapping us on our shoulders. God is revealing to us that we are not the master of our life, but he is. That we are not supposed to function independently, but we are to lean on Jesus. God is gently revealing to us, we need to repent of our sinful ways. The nations of the world need to humble themselves and pray and seek his face to find healing in our lands. The coronavirus pandemic simply reveals our need for Jesus. We need to build our life on the unshakable foundation that only Jesus can offer. And here's the deal, my friend. We don't have infinite opportunities to hear the gospel. If our hearts continue to remain hardened, Jesus will walk away from us. And I tell you that this is an even greater tragedy than the coronavirus. But let me show you the last set of response in John chapter 10. God goes where he is wanted. And we see it in our text. Being rejected repeatedly, Jesus leaves Jerusalem to another place that receives him more favorably. Look at verses 41 and 42. And many people came to him, Jesus. They said, though John, John the Baptist, never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, notice this, in that place, many believed in Jesus. The Jewish leaders outrightly rejected Jesus. And Jesus left them and went to a place where people were eager to receive spiritual truths. 
through this entire pandemic, God is speaking. But if our hearts are resistant and unresponsive, Jesus is not going to force himself on anybody. He will leave you to yourself. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. I plead with you, don't harden your heart. While God is speaking to those who don't know him, he's also speaking very clearly to his church. All through history, the church has grown in times of crisis, not prosperity. Our church worship services may be canceled, but I want you to know that church is not canceled. Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And let me remind you today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is not taking a break. He is not in quarantine phase. He is alive and he is calling people to himself. And this whole crisis has opened a window of opportunity for Christians. As people all around us have been shaken by the events of the last few weeks, they are questioning their convictions. They have nothing to anchor their life. And what a time this is for us to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the difference Christ can make in time such as this. And I want to show you that is the deep passion of Center Street Church. And we will do everything we can during this time to make Jesus look great and exalt his name in our city. That's why we have set apart three days for fasting and prayer, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that is our rightful response as a church to this pandemic. We are asking the Holy Spirit of God to help us to remain faithful to our mission of introducing people to Jesus and helping them become fully devoted followers of Christ. Here's my closing point. Richard Blackaby states in an article, during the Roman Empire, the most feared form of death was crucifixion. It caused horrific pain and suffering. When Jesus embraced the cross, he said yes to the most gruesome and terrifying form of execution ever conceived by the human mind. But God, in one masterstroke, took the greatest act of evil and turned it around and brought the greatest good out of it. And through this horrific experience flows our salvation, reconciliation with God, healing from all forms of brokenness and the promise of heaven. If God can do that, could he not take this horrific coronavirus that's causing havoc in our world, turn it around, overrule its effect, and in his divine providence, 
bring something good out of it. I tell you, the God that I believe, the God that I serve, is well able to do exactly that. Maybe you feel convicted today in your heart. And you realize that you've been building your life on the wrong foundation and that is giving up on you. I want to urge you today. Today is the day for you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to bring your life under his lordship and receive the peace and joy and the stability that only Jesus can bring. If God is speaking to you, don't delay, don't resist, but surrender to the call of God. The good shepherd calls you by name and he's calling some of you to go deeper in your walk with him, to relinquish your rights and surrender yourself fully to him. And if you make that decision today, I want to encourage you to text prayer to our church number 403-293-3900. If you could do that right now, I want you to know that somebody will get in touch with you and will be happy to walk with you regarding the next steps that you need to take as you make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm going to ask all of us to just close our eyes right now. Let me lead us in prayer. Lord, in the quietness of this moment, We acknowledge that we cannot live our lives independent of you. That we need you, Jesus, more than anything else. We've learned that lesson through this crisis. Now teach us to lean on you and trust in you. That you will take full charge, full control over our life, over our families, over our church and accomplish all of your good plans and good purposes for us. For we pray this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.